This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Damian Bulwa, Metro Editor at the San Francisco Chronicle. Today on Fifth and Mission, our wildfire reporter extraordinaire, Lizzie Johnson, is sitting right across from me. And we are going to talk about how there were no deaths this year in Northern California wildfires. That was in no small part because of Cal Fire Captain Jason Dyer and his work in Sonoma County. Lizzie and I will talk about what Dyer did and how my idea for a perfect headline for this story was rejected by Lizzie. It wasn't and, just me. And, uh, and others, many others. Uh, Lizzie, thanks for coming in of again. Of course. So, Lizzie, what was my idea for a brilliant headline for this piece? Do you remember? Yeah. So, Damien had a very punny headline that played on Captain Jason Dyer's last name, and that was Dyer Straits. Dyer Straits. Brilliant. Uh, not everyone thought so. <laughs> okay. So, your piece ended up being called Under Fire. Uh, first, tell us what happened uh, as you were covering this fire, the Kincaid Fire in Sonoma County. We heard sort of bits and pieces first of, of a heroic action by a firefighter. Mm -hmm. So the King Kincaid fire started on October 23rd. And two days into it, you know, you start hearing over the radio traffic that there is a potentially really destructive situation happening. You kind of keep the radio on in the background when you're reporting in case something like this happens. So I remember hearing that a fire captain was being burned over which basically just means that they're stuck in a spot where they can't escape the fire and it is going to roar over them for better or worse. And then you hear that there are ambulances coming. And then it came out that there were two civilians with him. So all you really knew from the radio traffic was that there were these three people stuck in a really bad spot and they were being taken away in ambulances. Yeah, after and, a burnover. After a burnover. Yeah, one of my first thoughts was, I hope they're alive. alive. Yeah. Yeah. And they were. And they were, but even in that case, you don't know if they were horribly maimed or burned in some type of way. And then eventually it came out that they were untouched. And my question was, well, what happened? How did they escape totally unscathed? So people can probably imagine this, but as you and I, um, we work together and, um, and we see something like this, we immediately are asking each other, can we tell this story? Mm -hmm. So how did you go about kind of doubling back after the fire ended on seeing if we could we could tell this story. Mm -hmm. So it was actually a few hours after that that I started calling sources that I knew who worked for Cal Fire and within different uh, counties across the state, asking them if they knew who this captain was. The firefighting community isn't actually that big if you look at the people running it and they tend to all know each other. And one of those people that I had reached out to called me back and was like, okay, I know who it is. Let me check with him and make sure that it's okay for me to give you his phone number. And then he called me back a second time and was like, actually, you already know him. And it turns out it was a fire captain that I had interviewed while reporting for my book on the campfire. So I got in touch with him and he agreed to talk with us as soon as the report from Cal Fire came out and he was cleared to talk with the press. So this Captain Jason Dyer, 
happens to be from Paradise, uh, which was hit by the campfire. Yeah, which I actually thought was a really um, intriguing part of the story. This is a fire captain who lived in Paradise, who helped evacuate the nearby community of Concow in the early morning hours after the campfire started. And his home had survived and he had been through something really terrible, but he had survived and so had his family. And now all of a sudden he was facing another deadly situation, but this time in Sonoma County. Okay, so take us into the situation. You went and you spoke to to Jason Dyer. Um, you checked out the investigation. Mm-hmm. You listened to radio traffic, all of these different things to to recreate this, right? Yes. How does how does this begin? I spent a couple of hours with Captain Dyer at his fire station in Chico and got the story from him and read the report, like you mentioned. And so what happened that day was Captain Dyer was overseeing one of the divisions, which basically just means a small corner of the fire, making sure that it stays within the perimeter line, telling people where they should go and what they should do. And at some point during the day, it came up that there was a fire crew who had taken off their fire-resistant Nomex jackets in the afternoon heat, which is bad (laughs) because the winds were whipping up and he knew that if the fire shifted and they got caught unaware, they would have nothing to protect them against the embers. So Captain Dyer drives off to go and find the crew. And along the way, he gets stuck on a really narrow dirt track next to an abandoned cabin. And that's where he gets cut off from the road and stuck surrounded by fire. Yeah, and for people to picture this uh, who might not be familiar with Sonoma County, um, this is kind of up in the in more rugged ridges above wine country, right? The yes. valleys in that area are obviously, you know, the things you see in, in pictures of, of vineyards. But as you move up into the mountains, um, you end up on these really windy roads, right? Exactly. And part of the problem is there were these narrow creek drainages below him, and those funnel wind and fire really easily. So he got stuck in a really bad spot that he couldn't get out of. So it's rugged, but he he thinks he's still a ways from the flames. So, I mean, that's what firefighter training is, right? He looked at it and was like, okay, this is fine. I have a fire shelter, which is a heat-reflecting aluminum foil blanket. You cover yourself with it during a fire, and it reflects radiant heat for a little while. And... um It's a last resort type of thing. But he had one fire shelter. And he was like, great, I can fit in this fire shelter if I need to, and it'll be fine. And in the meantime, he started lighting a back burn. So wait, before you get to that, I mean, um, how did the fire get so close to him and and how did he get trapped? Mm -hmm. So the winds were picking up that afternoon and they shifted direction. So the direction that he knew the fire to be burning changed. And by the time he realized it, by the time it happened, which was so fast... It was too late, and he was stuck. And he's trapped. And I think you write he's, he's trapped near like an old uh, cabin or shed. Yeah, it's this abandoned cabin. All of the windows are boarded shut. The doors are locked shut. And there's some dilapidated, rusted farming equipment in the yard. It's clear that no one has been there for a while. Okay. So um, you say he starts to to do a backburn, he starts actually lighting his own fires? Exactly. So um, one of the tactics that firefighters use is they try and burn away vegetation surrounding them. And what that does is when the bigger wildfire comes, which burns really hot and moves really fast, it stops. So versus the wildfire that burns, you know, five feet away from you, if you if you light a fire that burns toward the bigger fire, all of a sudden the, the big fire stops maybe 20 feet away, which gives you extra space, um, some protection from the radiant heat, 
And in the case of Captain Dyer, it gave him a spot to unwrap his fire shelter. Wow. Okay. Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and talk about what happened. I'm Damian Bull. I'm here with Lizzie Johnson, uh, and we're talking about her story about a heroic uh, California firefighter. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point-of-sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory— Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back. This is Fifth and Mission. I'm Metro Editor Damian Bolwa with Fire Reporter Lizzie Johnson. So we're talking about Captain Jason Dyer and how he was trapped by the Kincaid Fire in the hills of Sonoma County. So you said that he burned away uh, a bunch of the, the grass and fuel and brush yes. around him with, um, with a drip torch, right? So it's called a fusee, and it basically drips flaming fuel into the grass so that it burns. And why not? I mean, why is it better to to, to why isn't the the fire that you start just as intense as what would happen if you just allowed it to to burn naturally? Yeah, it's a good question. So if you think about what is actually burning, when the main wildfire front comes through, it has enough energy to start burning trees and stuff that produces really intense energy. Really, so it's really hot. Um, if you burn something like grass or like brush. The temperature is much lower and you can control it much easier, right? So he was using good fire to stall the bad fire. Okay, and that fire moves away from him and hopefully that's in some sense meets the the incoming fire further yeah. away. So they basically hit each other, the two fire fronts, and stop. There's nothing else to burn. Okay. So Jason Dyer does this um, and then the fire is still approaching, but at some point um, – at some point, does it become too much to bear? Does he think of trying to go into the cabin? So he tries to kick his way into the cabin, realizes the doors are bolted shut. Um, he pulls out his fire shelter to have on hand in case he needs it. He thinks he's got it pretty well under wraps, and then he looks up, and there are these two civilians who had divide, defied evacuation orders, and these two men roll up in a pickup truck. And he looks at them, and he realizes he has one fire shelter for three grown men, and that the equation has suddenly changed. It's not just himself and his training. It's himself, his training, and two other men he didn't anticipate being there. So before we get further, these these fire shelters, some of the worst um, disasters in California firefighting in, in recent years in, involved these, right? I mean, and often people were saved because of them. But when you tell us, because some of the reporters here have have trained on getting under a fire shelter, but tell us kind of how you get under one of these and why you would do that um, when there's no grass around you to burn. Mm -hmm. So the thing to remember is that the radiant heat can really horribly burn or maim you. So the pro of using a fire shelter is it deflects that heat and preserves a small pocket of breathable air that gives you a chance at survival. A fire shelter cannot withstand direct flame. If direct flame comes over you, you're you're done. Um, but you basically cover yourself with it and press the edges to the ground with your hands and hunker down and hope for the best. Usually dirt or pavement. Usually dirt or pavement. Firefighters call it a shake and bake. 
which just <laughs> is a comment on how well it actually works. <laughs> and you shake it out too, right? You shake it out and then hopefully you don't bake, but uh, it's not always guaranteed. But I'm also picturing like videos we've seen where flames uh, are moving over an area and even though there aren't trees, flames are actually traveling horizontally over an area mm -hmm. and overcoming people. Yeah. So in that scenario, you'd be under the shelter and the flames could be right overhead. They could be. And as long as they aren't touching the fire shelter, it's your best chance of survival. Okay. So what happens to these three people? So they come up and all of a sudden he realizes that the fire behavior is getting more intense and that they need to get under the fire shelter. Luckily, they're all pretty, you know, uh, compact men. Maybe that's the <laughs> word. Uh, they aren't, Diminutive. They aren't super tall. So they crouch under this fire shelter if you can picture three men crouching like baseball pitchers tipped forward in a triangle formation and they all have their hands on the edge of the fire shelter trying to hold it down it's a tight fit it's like three peas in a pod yeah like one sleeping bag for three people or one big beach blanket right yeah so you can picture how well and how long that would work and so they're head to head Mm -hmm. They're trying to hold it down. And how long are they under there? What are they saying? They aren't really talking. You know, I think in that situation, it sounds like Captain Dyer was so worried about what was going to happen next. Well, at the same time, he mentioned to me that he felt oddly comforted by the fact that these other men were there because he didn't know if they were going to make it out. And he said that it was nice to have a task, something to focus on people around him for company so they're under the thing for maybe 15 20 minutes and then he starts looking up and notices that the fire front has passed and that the cabin is about to catch on fire so they move a little ways down the fire line that he has just burned it's that bare still underneath dirt. the shelter still underneath the shelter and then um at a certain point, he realizes that it's safe enough to come out. And pretty soon after that, all of the firefighters that had been staging nearby, um, the the radio traffic that we heard of where people were going to try and help them, they were able to get through and pull them out in ambulances. Wow. And, and crazy. <laughs> and they, they were not injured. They were completely uninjured. But, you know, the thing is, if Captain Dyer hadn't have been in that spot at that time, those two men might not have made it out. So how is he has been through now two of the worst fires, you know, in California history. His hometown was ruined. Mm -hmm. um, he was in this fire and had to do this really extreme act. I mean, how is he reflecting on on what's happened in the state? Yeah. So he talks about how these fires are like nothing that we've ever really seen before. You know, we got pretty lucky in 2019 with our fire season. The number of acreage that burned across the state is just you know, a fraction of what it was last year. But that doesn't mean it'll be easy next year or the year after that. And so, you know, you see people like Captain Dyer who are faced with these really astonishing situations over and over again, things that might only happen once to a firefighter in their career before, you know, global warming started warping the way that our fires acted. And so is he at all considering leaving the profession? No, he loves being a firefighter. So he, Jason Dyer is traveling to fires all over the state, but he's also probably spending a lot of time in paradise, which is rebuilding. You've spent a lot of time in paradise as you're writing your book about that fire. Um, 
you know, what is it like for him to be seeing both sides of this? Mm -hmm. So one of the more interesting things about Captain Dyer is his youngest son was the first baby born in paradise after the campfire. His wife had the baby a few days after evacuation orders were lifted at their home. It was a home birth. So he really sees it as his responsibility to be there and care for the community and watch it rebuild as hard and as lonely as that is sometimes. All right, Lizzie. Well, thank you for the story. Another incredible story. Uh, perhaps not the greatest headline that I would have thought of, but, uh, but still. A for effort. Incredible. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thank you. Thanks to my guest today, reporter Lizzie Johnson, to King Kaufman and Karen Creighton for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.